Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And before we get started with today's episode, we, of course, want to tell you about IBM Expert Advice for Z at ibm.biz slash Z underscore consult. It's this handy-dandy webpage you can go to to schedule an appointment to talk to an IBM expert on some sort of topic. Uh, not a replacement for opening up a defect or talking with your IBM rep. It's just a way to get some help and some information. I can see our guest is writing that down right now. He sees it's uh, very helpful, maybe, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, it's it's just a great place to connect with uh, experts within IBM to get help on a subject. Uh, these are our kind of people, people like Charles Webb, Anthony Sophia, um, Scott Suter. Uh, that's ibm.biz slash Z underscore consult. Uh, you just go in there and say, here's my email address or my phone number. Here's the best time to contact me, and uh, they'll make all those connections. So pretty neat. Right, guys? Yeah. And if you were going to get an expert talking about RACF, you might actually hear our next guest. One would hope. Me too. Mark <laughs> Nelson. Uh, uh, the. The Mark Nelson. The Mark Nelson. RACF dude extraordinaire. Thank you, gentlemen. Great to be here. Welcome back for your third, third appearance. Time. I'm a repeat offender, yes. This, this is uh, like nobody has come back that many times. Really? Yeah, this is the most. Yeah. I think, what is it, uh, the five-timers? That's when you get a, a jacket or something? Yeah, there you go. I'm working on that. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the Dippin' Dots. <laughs> <laughs> Dippin' Dots. <laughs> Buy some Dippin' Dots today. So, the last time you were here officially was to talk about security, and you did at kind of a higher level. We talked about a bunch of things and where Z fits in. But what we really wanted to do, uh, based on a request from from our audience, is to get a little bit more detail on RACF itself. Yeah, actually, let me let me read that uh, that note we got here. We actually, you know, we, we do encourage people to, uh, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, <laughs> to send us email, uh, send us tweets, and uh, fill out podcast reviews. It's 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 actually pretty helpful out on uh, iTunes if we have a bunch of five star or whatever. Let's just stick with five star reviews <laughs> and uh, some feedback. I think Harry Williams is like the only one out there right now. So so do some stuff. But we we got an email. Uh, I'm gonna read it here. Um, just found your podcast. Wow! I can't wait to binge listen. You guys are awesome. Wow! I know it goes Somebody's on. Somebody's only heard one. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Has there been a RACF podcast? If not, any thoughts about one? Not as cool as the vSAM one I just listened to, I'm sure. What? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm out of here. Gentlemen, take care. <laughs> but I bet the three of us that an admin RACF would love it. LOL. <laughs> Charlie, take us out. Best regards. <laughs> Everybody likes to say to Charlie, take us out. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... So you, you were here for a very specific... Very specific. At, at the request of a very important team. Indeed. I'd like to thank whoever that was. That's just absolutely awesome. <laughs> so, what would you like to know? Well, first of all, let's start simple. What the heck is RACF? And tell me the F stands for facility. You, you're just way ahead of me. Yes, resource <laughs> access control facility. facility. I love we all say that together. <laughs> uh, we can do a harmony. <laughs> facility. 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 Frank, let's not do that. Keep that day job. <laughs> So it is It is the uh, place in ZOS uh, that uh, one goes to when one has a security mission. 
So it's identification, authentication, access control, logging, and then, of course, the management stuff of you know, defining rules and stuff like that. Uh, we do say RACF. There is another component that we need to talk about as well, and that is SAF, SAF System Authorization Facility. And that's, that's really the front end, the router that takes you to your security product, whether it's RACF or one of the other ones. So if I if I'm you mentioned a couple of things that RACF mm -hmm. does. If I'm if I'm trying to mentally envision RACF and security, is it like a box with four things in it? Is it a circle within a circle? Like how do you envision like the You guys are way too visual for me. This is this, you realize well, this is an audio medium. <laughs> but I'm waving much. my arms around. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's it's an issue. I, I I don't think of RACF that way. I think of us as actually a provider of a, a set of services to those folks in ZOS who need those services. And the ones I just I just mentioned are the key ones, right? How do you know who somebody that somebody is who they claim to be? They present something that credentials them. It could be a password, password phrase, pass ticket, lots of different things. It could be Kerberos credential, digital certificate, and then we manage that identity so that when when the when that person tries to do something, we can answer the question, is this person allowed it to do this? Uh, that's the access control piece of it. And then, then we do the logging because it's important to know what people have done or what they've attempted to do. Mm. So I don't know whether that's a Venn diagram or pretty yellow <laughs> balloons or a unicorn a doing kind of like I, or... I don't know. <laughs> I, it, maybe it's like a like a three headed Cerberus type thing. Ooh, Ooh you see what I did nice. there? That's very very nice. <laughs> because we spend so much time in hell. You know, that, <laughs> sorry. And it was guarding people from from getting in or out. I just I can't remember. I assume this is keeping people. I'm in. hoping so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you remember the character's name in one of those movies that was very popular? Fluffy. I thought that was an adorable name. I have a stuffed one in my office. <laughs> of course you do. That's nice. What movie Sad, was that? It? What's that? What movie was that? That was one of the Harry Potters. Oh. Yeah. I don't watch Harry Potter movies. Me neither. So anyway, mm -hmm. getting back to the topic, uh, you, you actually talked about a bunch of different facilities or, sorry, um, things that uh, run from that. Um, when I started uh, – a long, 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 long time ago, the only thing you could do was user ID and password as an identification. Mm -hmm. Could you just take us through kind of that evolution from, you know, the the seven character name and eight character password to the to the security model we have today? So the security model we have today is actually several different models. So the first one is the one you just uh, made reference to: user ID and password, classic. Right. Then we made it, ah, character passwords, they're nice, but wouldn't it be nice if we had something longer than that? So we introduced password phrases. We've also long had the need to allow authentication in different manners, allow someone to authenticate and then present that user ID multiple times uh, uh, in a trusted manner. Mm -hmm. That's when we came up with pass tickets. That was at least 20 years ago. Uh, digital certificates. Uh, nobody can do e-commerce. It's tis the season to be buying. <laughs> la, 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 la. And every time you do that, you're doing that with a transaction where you hope the information is confidential between your endpoint and the server. That's done with digital certificates. And should you choose to map those digital certificates to user IDs, RACF has mechanisms to do that. We can do that with other types of credentials as well, other outboarded authentications. Um, let's see, those are the big ones, passwords, password phrases, Kerberos tickets, Kerberos being a, uh, a multi-part security application environment. We can honor Kerberos credentials and translate those into MVS style. Oh, I said MVS. I should have said ZOS. Sorry. <laughs> Old person warning. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> 
we can we can uh, do that as well. So that's it's been you use the word evolution. That's that's quite the right word. As we see a business need to and change our authentication, we do. What what what's a passphrase? Is that like my voice is my passport? Verify me. Thank you. No, that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for playing. No, uh, password phrase is uh, a 9 to 100 character password. Think of it that way, just a longer password. Multi-factor authentication, which is something RACF works with, uh, a, well, for example, the IBM multi-factor authentication product. Uh, you can do different types of authentication. I don't know if they do biometrics yet. We should ask them. I know they do thumbprint and things like that, but I don't know if they do voice. Hmm. Interesting topic for a future podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick up on the sneakers reference there. <laughs> Sorry. It, what it's what a, kind of security nerd are you? It's, it's very early in the morning for me. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've talked a little bit about you know, these. Could you explain a little bit the multi-factor authentication, how that actually works? Because, you know, I'm, I'm just used to logging in on a machine, user ID and password, do I still have to do that with MFA? So the concept of multi-factor authentication, authentication is usually one of three things. Something you know, something you have, something you are. Something you know is a password, a password phrase. Something you have would be uh, one of those little plug-in dongles you can have for your laptop. And something you are is something intrinsic about you, thumbprint, uh, voice recognition, whatever it might be. And multi-factor simply says, I have more than one of these factors. So uh, any of the multi-factor authentication products do something just like that, including the IBM multi-factor authentication product for ZOS. So do you do you then use it with someone, some other company, or how, how does this work? Is all the components IBM components, or or can I share across multiple companies? Or? So the. Uh, I think most folks, if they're going to be doing authentication, really do want to – it's such an important process. They do want to keep that all within the company. There are mechanisms, I'm told, and I'm not the expert on this, for doing authentication with well-known servers. And we all know who those names are. <laughs> um, but if I am really have a business where I have jewels and my business is my set of jewels, I want to keep that authentication process uh, close to the vest. Mm -hmm. And that means I control all parts of that multi-factor authentication. I've known that um, working with uh, a number of companies over the last, you know, 20 or so years, I've, I've noticed that a lot of them don't always treat user ID and password with the seriousness it should be held. Mm. So they would have a server out in the um, out in the, the DMC, and then they would kind of present themselves with a kind of Default, if you, I'm doing the finger quotes mm -hmm. thing. A default user ID and password. Has have you guys done stuff to kind of attack that? So this is the issue of application identities, right? right. Where you have an app. My recommendation is always where where possible, find those applications and and let's find alternatives. Right. Alternative might be something like a pass ticket, right. where the application goes out and generates a single use password value, if you will, that is used for the transaction. Uh, that does require some setup. That does require trust between the endpoint, which is going to be evaluating and accepting that identity, and the one which is generating it. But right. it is, yeah, that's certainly one of the techniques one can use. Yeah, and that's kind of. Where I was going, trying to get people to be thinking about something more than just, well, we'll just create a user ID and password that just this app will use. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
So what what can I be doing as a uh, as a CISPROG or you know all around Z person to be less annoying to the RACF professional when I have to like make requests for things to be done? I think it's essential for anyone who is making a request who wants a configuration change made to understand what that change really means. So, for example, if you are a systems program and you're installing a new product, right, you might need some authorized libraries to put that into. Uh, your company should have a process for allowing you to request that. If the systems program can simply grant that to you, you might have a, a hole in your process <laughs> that uh, that is giving more authority than should be given to an individual. If there is a process, process, and it's more than likely true that somebody went through the the steps of saying, if we need this, we need this justification, and this, these user IDs to tie it to, and correct, and, and the part of that is is the philosophy that I think a lot of folks have, which is nobody ever complains if they have too much access, because <laughs> I am trustworthy. I would never do something that's wrong, but if somebody compromises you or compromises your identity, then they can do everything that you could have done, could have done, even those things that you never would have done on your own. Right. I got to parse that sentence and make sure it makes sense, but no, I think it does. It does. We'll, we'll it. <laughs> so, for example, I have this uh, configuring security for ZOS Connect EE mm -hmm. um, document right here. And I just, I just want to read the first paragraph, and you can tell me <laughs> what the heck it means and what you might do to. All right. The ZOS Connect EE application can be accessed by authenticated users that are also authorized under the ZOS Connect access role. You can configure group authorization at the global API or service definition level. Group authorization is supported for basic, SAF, and LDAP user registries. So so first off, what's this this role thing? So concept of a role is uh, if you have uh, a set of responsibilities or to say a number of people have a set of responsibilities and they're common, you define those as a role. RACF, we usually call that a group. I was just going to ask what the difference was. There really is not much of a difference between a role and a group, quite frankly. Uh, groups existed before people started getting excited about roles. We've had groups <laughs> in RACF for 40-some-odd years. All right, so so that, that, that that's the, the, the first concept of, of, a, of a role really is a group. It's a set of, of things to which you're permitted, right? And, and the way it's done is you permit the group, and then you connect the user to that group. Okay. And uh, group authorization is supported for basic SAF and LDAP user registries. How does SAF, I know you said it's like the, the gateway or the front end or the mm -hmm. whatever. How does that play into what I'm actually going to do or request? Well, that, that sentence, I read that sentence again. That's an interesting one. Group authorization is supported for basic SAF and LDAP user registries. Okay, so we, so it's out of context, which it, and this discussion is a little bit out of context. It looks like they're saying there are many ways to have registries of users for this product. One would be LDAP, one would be RACF, which is backed by SAF, or which is front ended by SAF, and the other is something called BASIC, which I have no idea what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where you just list the users. You just put the right. users in your own XML file, basically. Which is what all of the ZOS products used to do. All you know, uh, IMS, CICS, TSO, all used to. Have have their own registries. And somewhere in the 80s, we realized, you know, it's a really good idea to put these all in the same place and <laughs> mm. maybe put them under the control of the security administrator. So back way back then, we started seeing RACF as, as initially the optional, in a lot of cases now the mandatory. This is where you're going to define your user IDs so that everyone has a common definition and we all know who is controlling that, and that's the security administrator. And this is one of the things that I find a little frustrating about some of the things that are coming out now, the reason uh, products like these have this basic 
uh, way of doing things is so, well, I don't need to bother the security administration. I'm just going to put some stuff together and get it working, and then we'll worry about security later. Yeah, I'll just be my own security administrator. Yeah, what could I'm be so hard about this? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Unfortunately, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and many years ago, uh, DB2 and RACF got together, and you can actually put uh, the DB2 access control rules into RACF. And we first announced that. I remember going to a conference, uh, and there was a session on DB2 security, and it was all for DB2 admins. And the gentleman who was teaching that class saw me walking through the hall, called me into the class, introduced me, and said, could explain a little bit about it? So I talked to them for five or ten minutes. Then he asked a question. How many of you would be interested? No. Now, bear in mind, this is a group of DB atoms, mm -hmm. and half of them said, yeah, yeah, we want this and we want it now. And I, I was a little curious as to why. And the reason was is they, they – they didn't mind having the power. What they really didn't like was the was the uh, the responsibility, because when the auditors would come in and start asking them questions, their DBAs, their function is data, not necessarily <laughs> security. So they were perfectly willing to say, "Let's put this over in the hands of the of the folks who do security." Could you talk a little bit about how uh, I could tie LDAP entries into my RACF environment? So one of the ways one can do that is LDAP supports numerous backends, and you can have a traditional LDAP backend. You can have it in DB2. You can also have RACF as the backend for LDAP. That's the SDBM. Security, I would hope, but I think it's actually <laughs> they just started putting the letters out in order. Uh, and the, the concept there is when you bind, you have a naming convention that will take you to RACF. So when you do an LDAP, an LDAP operation, LDAP add, whatever, you're actually doing it against users in the RACF database. And there's also ways of connecting RACF, even if I'm not using RACF as the background, right? In what sense? I can actually point to RACF from, um, say, a DB2 backend for LDAP using uh, native authentication. I have not. I, uh, out of my area. <laughs> and, and tell me more, Frank. <laughs> yeah, we added uh, uh, the ability to, to actually connect to RACF when it comes to doing passwords, for mm -hmm. example. So, so here's a user ID. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's a, a DN for a user. And we can actually point into RACF for the password so that you don't have to have uh, the, the – you can not only have the password in RACF, it follows all the RACF rules so that you don't end up um, having – User users in two different places. Yeah, there are a couple of different. And thank you. Uh, now, now I get where you're coming from on this one. There are mapping functions in RACF where you can take a digital certificate as a simple example of something which has a uh, a, a an identify a string of identifiers, an issuer and a subject, and then map that to a user ID. You can do the same thing if you have other authentication mechanisms where you have a domain and a user uh, string of some type. And one of the neat things about this is back when we were talking about having a server out there somewhere um, that is running on your behalf, that when I pass in this authentication token, I can actually also pass in the DN of the actual user. Yes. So I can, I can actually map, even though I have a generic ID managing, um, I can actually see the actual user making the so request. One of the things we support on that interface is the passing in of the original name, which we'll use for mapping purposes, but we keep that original name and we use that in, in the log records that we create, the SMF80s. 
Yeah, I think that's really, really valuable because it's it starts to make it easier to trace who actually did stuff, that's even ex- though you have a... That's a exactly country. the intent of it. Uh, it does require a little bit of planning up front to make sure that uh, all the places in your application where you're passing identities through are passing through sufficient information. So at the end point, at that ZOS transaction, you have everything there so it can be logged. So since this kind of touches and, and may not be obvious to everybody, but could you kind of explain what um, an ACEE is? <laughs> an accessor environment element. If you would have... It, it, it checks out. Checks out. <laughs> <laughs> The judges have said, ding, valid name. Uh, it, <laughs> I'll, it, I'll allow it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the security context. It, it's, it's actually just a control block. It's just a piece of storage. But it's a piece of storage with lots of information in it that's essential for RACF to answer the question, does this user have access to this resource? So it's where we'd have, for example, you, you mentioned if you're doing a remote authentication and you're passing in that remote name, that will be hung off of some storage in the ACE. So when you actually try to access something, it's right there so we can use it in the creation of the SMF80 record. RACF is involved in every major um, system activity. I want to get memory or I want to... Right. Well, not necessarily. So the example you just used, I want to get memory. Mm-hmm. But no. I thought, is, I thought you were part of GetMain. No? No. Okay. It may well be. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody learns something when they listen to Terminal Talk. <laughs> just saying. So, uh, you just don't get to choose what that thing is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So well, let, me, let me follow the path. The reason I, I mentioned it mm-hmm. was um, how do you keep – security checks to be performant in an environment where they're touching so many important mm-hmm. So there, there are a couple of things one one can do that, that that resource managers can do. And I, actually, so so you mentioned GetMain, uh, and I, I, I I'm not aware of something that's in the direct every time you do a GetMain storage obtain kind of path, but it could be. And the the, the reason for that is that RACF doesn't control the questions that are asked. We only control the answers that are given. Right. So a resource manager, if they were suddenly to decide every other instruction to call us, could do so. I wouldn't recommend that, but they could. <laughs> Uh, what we do for re- – and we, we are called every time you fetch a program, as an example. There's a call made to RACF. Uh, the things we do for performance are the things that everybody does for performance. You keep things in storage so that you don't have to do any I.O. to go and find them. We index them as best we possibly can or we have our own ways of getting the data as fast as possible. Uh, and we do try to talk to resource managers when they say, hey, we'd like to make a call to RACF. We try to work with them and make sure that that call actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then do you kind of um, drive new requirements into some of those resource managers? We have. Okay. We have. And when when a resource manager comes to us and says we'd like to do X, Y, and Z, they're often not thinking in terms of RACF performance or or security. They're talking about their function as they should. And it's our job to understand what they're really trying to do and come up with the the call into RACF, the RAC route request equals whatever it might be to make that as expeditious as possible. Hmm. So, for example, for authorization calls, one of the first things they'll have to decide is will they do a uh, RAC route request equals auth or RAC route request equals fast auth. Guess which one is faster? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, you're way ahead of me. <laughs> Mail your answers to Terminal Talk. Right. And, there, and, and there are advantages and disadvantages to either. But for a performance sensitive one, yeah, we'll, we'll go down the fast off path. 
I, I've I've sometimes found that uh, when I was you know had to make requests to the RACF person to you know I need this this thing authorized or this thing changed, I'd I'd often start with. Uh, I, I need this. I need this, and eventually we're just going. What What are you trying to do? Yes. <laughs> what is, so maybe it's, it's better to actually start from that. What, here's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> One of the things that I think security people have to do is understand the environment that they're attempting to provide security for. This, whether you're a RACF developer or a security administrator, right? You need to understand when that person comes in and says, "I need this. I need this access permitted. I need this profile defined." Okay. Let's. Look. What does it do? Yeah. You know, what kind of logging do you need on it? If you're if you're creating uh, creating a product, you're making a new call to RackF. Why are you doing it? What what environment will you be doing it in? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I recently uh, got a, a, my daily dose of Mark Nelson at the uh, Knight Errant uh, page. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this because I thought it was really nicely put together. There's this. Um, Enterprise uh, Knights of Z, IBM Z Center for Secure Engineering thing. And it's you can earn some badges and you watch some videos. It's like five-minute videos uh, explaining uh, at a very basic level some basic concepts of security on Z. And, uh, you know, people should Google that and, and check it out. But could you maybe talk about, like, what you did for this? So th these are, are so much fun, to, almost as much fun as a terminal talk. Good. Podcast, just saying, just almost <laughs> as much fun. But the concept is: Hi, you've got three to five minutes. Here's a topic. Go. Right. The graphics are very, very simple. Uh, the video technique is very, very straightforward. You, it's you and a camera, and and, and away you go. Uh, but the restriction of of doing something in five minutes that that gives a cohesive piece of information is quite the challenge. It takes quite a bit to edit things down. It's easy to write a lot. It's hard to write very, very little. Uh, and they asked me to do a couple of videos, so I did. Uh, I did a health checker one that was kind of fun, and an intro to Z security one. And if I've got another one that they've asked me to do, that uh, maybe we can talk about some other time. Cool. Once we actually do it. And if you're curious about that, uh, uh, you're gonna have to spell this out or Google it. E, e K that stands for uh, Errant Knight, I guess. <laughs> dash IBM Z dot dot net. I'm sure there's a shortener for that or something, but. <laughs> Just just search for uh, Knight Errant Z Security, you know, Mark Nelson, whatever. IBM Knights of Enterprise Z. Yeah, or, or Some like combination that. of those those words will get you there. Yeah. Well, one of the things I find fascinating is these were designed, intended for folks who were new to security and, and new to Z in general. And uh, it turns out that folks who've had uh, years with Z are finding them useful as well as, as refreshers. So they are very, very, uh, they're very much well worth checking out. Well, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of us go around with these you know, half-formed uh, opinions, uh, opinions uh, masquerading as knowledge about stuff on the platform and, and haven't actually spelled out like, no, that's actually what this means. Yeah, this is what's actually happening here. Oh, yeah, of course I knew that. Well, why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> It'd be a great basis for a podcast, I would think. Yeah. I mean, Frank, uh, which of the following NQ Q names is most appropriate for an authorized program? Is that one of the questions? I'm yes. Like, wow. I'm impressed. Well, what are the choices? Uh, systems, SysZFun, Goofy, and Auth. Ah, okay. So there is a convention for uh, for NQ names, for the major names, and SysZ uh, for authorized ones. But it's the kind of thing that, that one might not normally know unless right. one has been steeped a little bit in security. Yeah. So there you go. So I, um, getting on to some other topic quickly. Mm. Um, do you guys support Java Web Tokens? No. 
<laughs> are you going to be that's, 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 that's a great question. Uh, we are interested in all forms of authentication, especially those forms of authentication which have become more and more popular. Mm -hmm. So is there anything there now? No. Is that a neat requirement? Yes, it is. Okay, is that a neat requirement you guys are looking into? Or? Keep those cards and RFEs <laughs> coming. <laughs> oh, and that's important, right, is to, yeah. to remind people that uh, IBM does what customers want. And if it's something important that they should – they should be voicing that opinion yeah, it's, it's, loudly. It's been an interesting experience. We used to have a much more closed requirement process. You had to find an IBMer. They had to enter it for you. Uh, what's it? Two years now, we've been taking RFEs pretty much from anyone in the field, and it you know it really has I think changed the way IBM looks at what the clients want us to do. Uh, quite frankly, we can't accept every RFE. I'm, I'm sorry, we have limited resources, but it does help us focus what we what we think should be important because it's what you think is important. So, yes, please submit them, vote on them. They do help us. Without giving away any secrets, can you maybe talk about, like, what kind of stuff you are working on? Gentlemen, gentlemen, I could, <laughs> but then we'd have to. Kill me. There we go. <laughs> and, and I might enjoy it. <laughs> Just say it. A little bit too much. <laughs> what, what about, what, what are you looking at? Uh, you know, everyone has a, a project or a hobby. Like, what are you currently playing around with? Me personally, or <laughs> I, hopefully yeah, security. Really you know, security oriented. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm building a model boat. <laughs> I wish I was trying to find more time to fly my little Cessna 172, but sadly, spending a lot of time at work. Again, we're looking at um, you know multi-factor authentication. Clearly, one of the things that the marketplace and and in fact most folks should be looking at. So obviously, some work going on there. Some of the things we talked about here, although I won't repeat them. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's satisfactory. Okay. That's it. So yeah. we've, we've talked a lot primarily about authentication. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, authorization and how um, how you guys kind of look at it differently than, say, you know, somebody in the distributed space? I'm not sure that uh, – I'm not sure how different it would be. Fundamentally, security is about answering questions. Right. So the question is, does Fred have access to this resource? Does Alice have access to this thing? Whatever this thing might be. In RACF, we do that with naming conventions. So you assign the name to that thing, and then you ask the security product through SAF, RACF, uh, and, and we answer the question. It's pretty straightforward. Um, in the distributed environment, I see a fair amount of that. I do see other models as well. Um, I kind of am very comfortable with our model because it's a very straightforward model. It assumes you have named entities. I liked named things. They make them easy to get a handle on, makes them easy to manage. So, also, there seems to be, and, and we've talked about this before, uh, I know that everything isn't turned off out of the box, but it, RACF makes it pretty easy to stop people from accessing things as a default, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's a, a thought that tends not to happen in the distributed space, right? So uh, I, I often talk about the way RACF um, runs as a mother model of security, right? Mm -hmm. Don't do that. You can hurt yourself. Can you talk about um, how how that kind of model starts in in this environment do you is that something that we recommend or how is it that that 
Do we help clients get started to do those kinds of things? So by centralizing security, I think that's really the difference. I, I kind of missed that nuance when you asked the, the, the prior question. Centralization is, is something that provides immense power because it means you have one place to manage, one place to administer, one place to manage, one place to monitor. The distributed model, which is you know maybe one control point but thousands of implementation points, becomes a little bit different in terms of how do you manage stuff, how do you collect information, how do you ensure that you have the environment configured the right way you want it to? Uh, and, and you're right. This you call it mother mayhem. Just just call it centralization. One place <laughs> to go to uh, to get the answer. One place to, to actually look for anomalies. That to me is a huge advantage. But it, but it's very similar to a lot of the other Z consolidation advantages. Which would you rather manage? One system or 1,024? Same kind of <laughs> same kind of question with a similar answer. Right. Mm. When we had uh, the different uh, jazzes here, we had a <laughs> deathmatch jazz yes. session. It was kind of interesting. We learned about the fact that they really came from being um, different customer uh, products. We developed RackF in-house, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, there are other security products. Why is it that we've done it that way? What caused us to say, look, we'll 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 create Rack F, but we'll allow you to have other um, other security products by other companies. That's that's a, a rather interesting question. Uh, so Rack F originated in IBM Research in the late '60s, early '70s, as true resource access, not just security, but it would also control CPU time, DASD allocation, et cetera, et cetera. And the the product grew in use internally in IBM. At some point, IBM in the uh, early 70s, there was a project with the Air Force to come out with a security product, uh, which was which went through the normal IBM development process and for certain reasons never made it to the field. And at one point, uh, IBM realized security was important and we had to make a decision. And in fact, there was a an apocryphal meeting at Share where a gentleman <laughs> named Eldon Worley from IBM Research and then folks from other uh, organizations um, – Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but it'll come to me, I hope, who came to talk about how they did security. And one of them was a gentleman who uh, created ACF2. Another was a gentleman who was uh, proposing something that ended up being top secret. And they sit at chair and they're talking about directions and security, right? And in the back are a couple of IBM folks just paying attention. And they look at the reaction to folks at this meeting and say, yeah, you know, maybe this thing that we're doing internally with something called IMF, Installation Management Facility, would be the right thing to do. So we took that product and we turned it into the product we now know as RACF. And it was also, interestingly, I think it was, I've been told it was the first priced program out of the Poughkeepsie <laughs> Programming Lab. Hmm. And I think that may have had something to do with uh, why, you know, uh, there were other products in existence at the time. And, of course, uh, IBM at the time had issues with the government, antitrust and stuff like that. So we had to make it possible for other people to have their software running on our platform. All right, so I think that's one of the reasons, uh, the historical reason that took us to the point where we have well, a, a rather robust security marketplace. Is there any fundamental differences between the products? Um, I, I'm not trying to get you to disparage the other ones. I'm, no, I'm trying to it. understand. You know, we have RACAF. You, you mentioned Top Secret. You mentioned ACF2. Mm -hmm. um, is, there, is there one of course, you're going to say yours is best, but is is there one that's good for different things or 
Well, they just... well, first, what hat am I wearing right now? Am I wearing the RACF hat or the IBM Z hat? I'm wearing the – I'll put on my IBM Z hat. Okay. And that I, when I wear the IBM Z hat, I want people to have good security and a good security posture regardless of what product they're running. Right? If I put the RACF hat on, which I do occasionally, <laughs> uh, but that, that's really the, the, the right answer, quite frankly, mm -hmm. is we want clients to have the security environment that protects their most valuable resources. So having said that, are there differences? Yes. Uh, in the RACF case, we call ourselves resource-oriented. That is, you identify the resource, you put security rules in place for that resource, and you permit people to it. Uh, other products might take a different view. On the user definition, you might define all the things to which that user is authorized. Okay. So now, it's, can, it's, can both of them work? Yeah, yeah, both of them can work. Right. The, the difference is where you, put your, where you put your focus, right? If your mm -hmm. focus is more on the user and, and packing everything into the... the yep. The user space as opposed to... I, I think one of the things that happens, and this happens with almost any business process, your process molds around the tools that you have. Right. right? And uh, so if you happen to have an access-based thing, you'll probably have a process that's based around that. Cool. Uh, I think we're getting close to the bottom of the hour here. Um, so I, I really want to uh, thank you um, for, for coming and, and taking time out of your busy development schedule um, to, to talk to us. Is there kind of looking in the future, is there one thing that you would really like to be able to do? Whether or not you can is another story, but is there is there something in the future that you'd really like to attack? There are several things, uh, and, and one of them is we have lots of information available on Z. We have lots of, of ways of processing that information on Z. We've seen in the last couple of years some amazing tooling come out that lets you take SMF data and do large amounts of processing on it. I'd like to start becoming a lot more active with that, number one, and, and be more active with that, taking information off other platforms, as many folks are doing now, including an IBM, and then doing analysis on an enterprise wide view of security information. To me, that's absolutely positively fascinating, what you can learn by looking at all the patterns of access, successful and unsuccessful, all the patterns of, of authentication, all the activity going on. I think there's a wealth of information that we could divine from that. That would be fun. Awesome. On that note, I think we're done. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.